No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we'll examine Psalm 8, where David considers the glory of the heavens and asks, What is man that you are mindful of him? We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in the Psalms on Simply the Bible. In life, there are a few biggie questions, such as, what is the meaning of life? And what is man? Most of the time, we don't occupy ourselves with such questions, but occasionally our normal routine is disrupted or things don't go as we have planned. Tragedy or disaster may strike and we are brought face to face with the reality of our mortality, or at least the brevity of our life. In those moments, we begin to contemplate the meaning of our existence. What is life all about? Why am I here? What is my place in the world? How does it all end? And where am I going? Obviously, we are not the first to wrestle with such questions. Throughout the history of humanity, people have sought these philosophical truths. In the Psalms, we find that David also wrestled with such questions He was a lover of God, a musician, and a writer. And in Psalm 8, David contemplates the big question, what is man? Now, the title of this psalm says, To the chief musician on the instrument of Gath, a psalm of David. The word translated instrument of Gath is the Hebrew word getith, which means winepress. Therefore, some have speculated that this was a vintage tune celebrating the harvest of grapes, but in fact, we really don't know what it means. Verse 1, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth, who have set your glory above the heavens. This is the second psalm in which David uses the covenant name of God, which is Yahweh or Jehovah. What name can be compared to his? The Bible says that the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. How many times did David find refuge in the name of the Lord? As a shepherd boy in the sheep fields, no doubt there were many nights when David stared up into the starry sky. He didn't have the city lights to mask his view of the stars. And David pondered the glory of the heavens. But the glory of the Lord far surpasses even this. The cosmos is merely his creation, but he is the creator. Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength because of your enemies, that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. God is glorified through the vast heavens, but he is also glorified through an infant's cry. Anyone who has been present for the birth of a baby knows this. That first cry is a miracle testifying to the glory of God. But it goes further than this. Jesus quoted this verse in Matthew 21 as he healed the blind and the lame in the temple, and children cried out, Hosanna to the son of David! That infuriated the chief priests who said to Jesus, Don't you hear what they are saying? And Jesus said to them, Yes, have you never read? 
Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have perfected praise. Children often see things that adults can't see. It is easy for them to believe in God. I heard this story of a child who was drawing a picture in school. Her teacher asked her, what are you drawing? The girl replied, it's a picture of God. The teacher said, well, no one knows what God looks like. And she replied, well, they will now. It is easy for children to believe in the God they cannot see and praise him accordingly. That is why when the disciples of Jesus asked him, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus set a child before them and said, assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Now, David says, from the mouth of babes, God has ordained strength to silence the enemies of God. The faith, innocence, and honesty of a child can silence even the most articulate arguments of those who oppose God. And God has hidden the treasures of his kingdom from the learned people of the world, but he's revealed them to children. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? Now, David returns to the subject of the glory of the heavens. Looking into those starry skies in the Middle East, David had such a limited view into the cosmos, yet he was overwhelmed with wonder over the moon and the stars. With the advent of telescopes on Earth and in space, we know much more about the cosmos. We know that our Milky Way galaxy is so large that it takes light 100,000 years to travel from one end to the other. There is an estimated 400 billion stars in our galaxy, but then there are an estimated 2 trillion galaxies in our universe. To get some idea of the distances involved, if our solar system were the size of a quarter, the sun would be merely a microscopic speck of dust on it. The nearest star would be about two soccer fields away, and the diameter of the Milky Way would be about the size of the United States. Now, David's question, what is man that you are mindful of him, is even more meaningful against such a backdrop of increased knowledge concerning the universe. In such a vast universe, what is our puny little planet Earth? And among over 7 billion people on the planet, who am I that God should care about me? Such knowledge humbles us. Who are we to make any demands of Almighty God? And yet, Jesus tells us that God is so intimately acquainted with us that even our hairs are numbered. God is mindful of us, and even though we have sinned against him and tossed his laws behind our backs, God sent his only son to visit us and lay down his life to save us. So how would you answer the question, what is man? You see, man's problem is that he starts with finite man and tries to imagine the infinite, but David starts with the infinite God as the creator of the cosmos and of mankind. David answers the question, what is man, by considering his relationship to Almighty God. 
We did not create God. God created us in his image, and he thought enough of us to give us his commandments and then redeem our lives when we failed to keep them. But we must always remember that we were made by God for his glory and his pleasure, and we won't discover the meaning of life until we believe in him and then surrender to his will. The truly amazing thing is that even though we are puny in the scheme of things, God still delights to know us and to dwell with us and even to dwell in us by his Spirit. Verse 5, For you have made him a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. Now, in the scheme of things, there is God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and then the created angels, including Satan, who fell from heaven, and a little lower than the angels is mankind, made in the image of God and crowned with glory and honor. We may be puny in comparison to the cosmos, but God has crowned us with his glory and honor. There is no redemption for fallen angels, but God sent his only son to redeem us. No one should feel worthless when God paid such a handsome price to make us his own. Verse 6, you have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, even the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea that pass through the paths of the seas. Now God's loving concern goes even deeper than merely knowing man. When God created Adam, he gave him dominion over the earth and all the creatures in it. We have been made managers of our planet. That is how much honor God gives to man. But with that privilege comes responsibility to be good stewards with what God has given us. We should take care of the environment. We should care for our forests and animals to ensure their existence. We shouldn't allow greed to overtake this good management, for we will give an account to God for what we have done with what he has given to us. Matthew Morey served as a U.S. naval officer in the 19th century before suffering an injury which forced his retirement. One day, while reading Psalm 8, he was struck by verse 8 that man has been given dominion over the fish of the sea that passed through the paths of the seas. He surmised that there must be currents of water in the oceans and determined to find them. He discovered the Great Gulf Current, 40 miles wide and 2,000 feet deep, that comes out of the Gulf of Mexico into the Atlantic, the Japanese Current, and the California Current, and others. Using this information, the ships of his day reduced the time required to cross the oceans by as much as three weeks. Many people today think that science contradicts the Bible, but in fact, the Bible confirms true science and has led to many scientific discoveries. Rockefeller discovered the oil deposits in the Middle East because in Genesis it speaks of the pits of tar. The Greek philosopher Pythagoras is credited with first speculating that the earth was round in the 6th century BC, but 200 years before this, Isaiah spoke of the circle of the earth. What the Bible does contradict are scientific theories that imagine the origin of the cosmos and life apart from the Creator. But these theories are more educated guesses than true scientific discovery, for they are neither observable nor repeatable. No one was there to observe the origin of the universe. 
All we have to observe is the evidence that the universe exists. But to remove God from the picture is like looking at the paintings of the Sistine Chapel and imagining that they occurred apart from Michelangelo. Every creation testifies to its creator. This may be difficult for the highly educated scientist to grasp, but a child can easily understand the concept. The problems of explaining the cosmos apart from God are even more numerous and more complex when we discuss the origin of life and the amazing complexity of the human body with all its interdependent systems going on every day of our lives, whether we realize it or not. How can anyone account for this marvelous complexity coming into being as the consequence of the Big Bang? As David declares elsewhere, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. The curious thing is that God created all this just to have a relationship with us, and yet he doesn't force it upon us, but calls us to trust in him. We must enter his kingdom and a relationship with him as humble children. And David ends this psalm, verse 9, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. He ends this magnificent psalm the same way he begins it. Truly, how excellent is the name of the Lord in all the earth. How wonderful it is that as insignificant as we are, God is still mindful of us and desires to have an intimate relationship with us. May we each bow our heads in worshipful adoration of our Creator. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to other episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our podcast on iTunes or Spotify. If you have any questions or comments, please contact us through our website. Tomorrow we'll see where David declares the Lord's works. He will judge the world in righteousness, but he will be a refuge for everyone who trusts in him. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the Psalms on Simply the Bible. (laughs) 